It's episode 613 of the Locked On Rangers podcast. On today's show, I'm talking about an absolutely wild series in Chicago. And is Ezekiel Duran ever going back down to the minors? All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers. Your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Paddock, the host and founder for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. I'm a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010. Here to talk about this absolutely wild series. It's Monday, June 13th. Rangers are 28 and 31 sitting atop, well, atop the Angels, atop everybody else except for the Astros, who the Rangers are playing in a three-game series to start this week. They are alone in second place in the American League West. Thank you all so much for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment anything below and subscribe there. Comment. Wow, that was absolutely bonkers. Comment, fire Tony Larusa. Comment, thank you, Rangers, for helping us. Fire Tony Larusa. If you're a White Sox fan that is, you know, masochistic and for some reason watching this podcast uh, about the team that just beat your team in two embarrassing games out of three, very fun. But today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Now let's start with the Friday game, which was. The least wild of all of these, the, the only one the Rangers lost, was a bullpen game. It was supposed to be Glenn Otto starting, but he want, went on the COVID-19 IL. The Rangers have a little bit of an outbreak, a few players that are on the COVID IL now. Mitch Garver is also on the COVID IL, and Andy Abanez was optioned to Round Rock on Friday before that game. Because Brad Miller is back. Welcome back, Brad Miller. His injury is what brought up Josh Smith, whose injury brought up Ezekiel Duran, who has been pretty darn good so far in a very, very limited sample size at third base for the Texas Rangers. And he came up really big on Sunday's game. I'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But this was a wild game, a bullpen game that was, you know, mostly fine from the bullpen, but was really the worst game by far of John King's season, who has been mostly really good so far for the Rangers, but was not quite good enough in this one. He only went two-thirds of an inning, allowed six hits, five runs. All of those were earned, didn't walk anybody, and didn't strike anybody out. But there's a reason he allowed maybe a little bit more than he should have in that game. There was a play in the top of, or in the bottom of the eighth inning, I should say. You know, I'm getting confused with my innings, but that's what I think happened with Steel Walker as well. There was a ball hit by Yasmani Grandal that ended up being a two-run double that gave the White Sox the lead. They would then go on to score several more runs in that inning. But Steel Walker must have thought that it was the bottom of the ninth inning because the game was tied, and he goes to get a ball, and he misses it, and, and Yasmani Grandal drives in at least one run and so he thinks okay well this game is over so he you know leisurely saunters back to get the baseball and kind of casually tosses it into the infield not realizing that hey the ball's still in play the game's still going on this is not the bottom of the ninth inning this is not a walk-off buddy you got a freaking hustle and he is a guy who is lauded and applauded for his swagger and his you know really chillaxed attitude which you know normally I'm, I'm all a fan of but when you're not 
going hard for baseball. You forget what inning it is. You forget the situation, and you make a play like that. Now, I don't know if he was necessarily going to throw out Yasmani Grandal at second base. He might have. I don't know if he was going to throw out the second runner at home plate. He might have. He could have made it at least a close play. But, again, it's just that attitude, that, you know, chillaxingness, that if it is just he knew the situation and he just sauntered over anyway, that's way more inexcusable. But not knowing the inning and the situation, that's also just terrible baseball. It's absolutely terrible baseball. Like, you got to know what inning it is and you got to know the situation, you got to know the count, you got to know all kinds of things, but especially you have to know what inning it is, if the game is over or not when they allow that run. Like, that's just inexcusable. On the very next day, he was sent to the COVID-19 IL. Maybe he got COVID. Maybe this is just a way for the Rangers to save face with him. But either way, this was a really, really bad situation for them. And it continued, this game offensively continued the trend of the Rangers not hitting with men and scoring runners with scoring position, but only hitting solo shots. Seager had his 12th shot of the year, most among any shortstop in baseball that tied the game in the top of the eighth inning. The Rangers also got solo bombs from Nathaniel Lowe, his seventh, and Adoles Garcia, his 11th on the season. Outside of that, not a whole lot of offense going, and Nathaniel Lowe did also have a double, so he had a multi-hit game, had a streak of multi-hit games, came to an end on Sunday, despite him still, I believe, having a hitting streak intact as of Sunday. Yes, he did still have one hit in this game, in that game on Sunday, and reached base twice. I don't know if we're counting that, but, you know, been swinging a pretty hot bat as of late, as has Adoles Garcia, had a multi-hit game in this one. Didn't have multiple extra base hits like Nathaniel Lowe, but did have a stolen base in this game. Garrett Richards was fine. Fine in two innings. Tyson Miller um, was also fine in this two and a third innings. In this one, the Rangers really needed him to be. Didn't have any strikeouts. Did allow an unearned run um, and allowed a hit and two walks, but was mostly fine for a guy that was just called up. The Rangers made a few more uh, roster moves. Before this game, um, Andy Abanez, like I said, was option. Tyson Miller, or Tyler, Tyler? Yeah, no, Tyson Miller. I had it right the first time. Um, and Jesus Tinoco were added to the roster and pitched pretty well this weekend when the Rangers needed them to the most. Tinoco came in and got the last out in this one, mercifully ending a five-run inning by the White Sox, which would give them a five-run win. Not a whole lot else going on in this one. Nathaniel Lowe had an error. Sam Huff had his first error of the season, trying to throw out uh, Luis Robert on a stolen base, um, who ended up getting second and third base off the Rangers in this one. But... Yeah, not a great outing for the Rangers. Looked much better in the Saturday game, which was absolutely wild and went extra innings right after right after having a bullpen day. And the Rangers also went extra innings on Sunday, so their bullpen is really, really feeling taxed in a big way. And that might not <laughs> might not play well in this series against Houston unless their starters go very deep in the game, which Taylor Hearn is going to be the starter on Monday. It's going to be a big, big start for him. The Rangers need him to go at the very least five innings, probably six innings, because despite a strong performance on Sunday from John Gray, the Rangers still had to use a crap ton of relievers because when you go 12 innings, even if your starter goes six, your bullpen's still pitching six innings. That's still a lot of innings after two different extra innings games and a bullpen day because Glenn Otto 
went on the IL. Now, we're going to take a quick break when we come back and look at a wacky and wild Saturday game as well. These, these were all wacky and wild games, except for Friday. So, before we look into that, I want to tell you all about Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is our partner, and I use it literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, you know, I didn't have time to take all these different vitamins, go out and look for which one was the best. I wanted to get better gut health, more energy, and an optimized immune system. I hated taking all these pills and vitamins and stuff. It was just a whole lot of hassle that I didn't really need. And, you know, I'm not the only one who loves this. There's so many different people who also love this product. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts, such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gerbis. You know, Athletic Greens is a climate neutral certified company. In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits with the support uh, that support projects protecting old old growth rainforests. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of autoimmune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, thank you all for making this your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On, the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft hosted by all of our Locked On NBA hosts. It starts June 16th with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Draft Mock Draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus Odyssey Insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a single pick. Now, let's look at this wild and wacky Saturday game. I keep saying wild and wacky because they are all wild and wacky games. This is a game full of absolutely bonkersness on so many different levels. There was a bad Martin Perez start. There was not a whole lot of... Uh, not a whole lot of... of bad Martin Perez starts on the season. This was the first straight-up bad one. There were some bad base running mistakes. Um, there was an error on Corey Seager, his eighth of the season. But Martin Perez just did not have it in this game, and I was surprised the Rangers didn't pull him a little bit sooner. Part of that was probably because they had just had a bullpen day and they wanted to see how many innings they could give him. But he went five innings, allowed 12 hits, seven runs. Six of those were earned, walked two, struck out four, and allowed his second home run of the season. His ERA is now... A horrendous 218, which you know is not actually horrendous, but it is no longer the American League leader, which is a darn shame. But I'm sure he will get that back under control, just like we know that he can. But the Rangers offense picked him up in this one. They snapped an 0 for 25 with runners in scoring position streak with Corey Seager's single in the top of the first inning. But the Rangers weren't able to score on it. Of course, the first hit they get with runners in scoring position in nearly five games doesn't score a run <sighs> of course it felt like a bad way to start off this game because i mean we had the Simeon double then we had a hit by Corey seager like okay all right even though they didn't score him they got a runner on third base with nobody out and three through five coming up in the order all right this could be some good things then adoles garcia proceeds to strike out okay that's not great oh well Corey seager goes and steals second base okay you got two runners in scoring position all right cole calhoun jonah heim it's your time to shine. And strikeout, and strikeout. 
that was not a great way for the Rangers to start this game. But the Rangers were able to strand some runners in the bottom of the first inning. That was the best inning by far uh, of of what Martin Perez was able to do. Um, he did allow a couple of base runners um, and actually, I believe, had the bases loaded with two outs, but was able to get Yoan Mankata called out on strikes with a very, very impressive pitch. But the Rangers proceeded to come back from a five-run deficit. They were down five to nothing. They also came back from being down seven to four. The top of the fifth inning was what changed this entire game for the Rangers. The Rangers were able to get some offense finally. Brad Miller started off with a single and a center field. Then Eli White had a fantastic bunt to third base, which he outran because he is one of the fastest men in all of baseball. Then Marcus Simeon worked a walk, and in comes Corey Seager, no outs, and the base is loaded, and he absolutely smacks a pitch to the warning track about three feet away from being a grand slam. Ends up being a sack fly. All the runners advance. Marcus Simeon's on second. Eli White's on third, and Adoles Garcia comes up, gets a 2-1 count, and absolutely blasts a three-run shot. Until Sunday, Adoles Garcia was the only Ranger to hit a three-run homer for this team. Now, Marcus Simeon did have a grand slam, I don't think anybody else has had a Grand Slam this year outside of Simeon. But it should just be called, instead of the three-run Jimmy Jack, it should be the three-run Bombi Bomb, which I know just means Bomb Bomb in two different languages, but I don't know. I kind of like it. He had his 12th home run of the season, a huge, huge home run at Adolis, like Adolis does, got everybody pumped up in the dugout. He, you know, wasn't getting a whole lot of high fives and whatever because they were still down, but they were only down by one run at that point. Cole Calhoun finished that up with a double, but wasn't able to, they weren't able to drive him in with the final two hitters in that inning. But the Rangers made it close. They made it close. They made it seem like, all right, we got some hope in this. We, we got some hope. This is not a completely out of, out of left field prospect that we are going to lose this one. But uh, yeah, then the White Sox proceeded to drop two more runs in the bottom of that inning, I thought, okay, okay, well, maybe this one is completely over. It was four to seven in the bottom, after the bottom of the fifth inning going into the sixth, but Brad Miller comes in and he scores Ezekiel Duran on a single. Then the top of the seventh inning got a double by Cole Cahoon, who's starting to heat up after a not so great first week of June, starting to look a little bit better. Actually, first couple of weeks, almost first like 10 days or so. Um, but Cole Cahoon was able to drive in Adolis Garcia and get to third inning on a third base on a throwing error by Andrew Vaughn. Then Jonah Heim scored him. Tie game. Tie game, 7-7 in the top of the seventh inning. Now the Rangers bullpen was able to get out of any trouble in those next few innings to get to the ninth inning. Uh, Jesus Tinoco worked a perfect inning with three strikeouts. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Brock Burke came up and allowed a hit and a walk, but did strike out two. And Matt Bush came in and got another strikeout with those two runners on base. I was a little surprised they didn't let Brock Burke work through it because he's been so darn good in those situations. But... This White Sox team, they are a very right-handed team, and they absolutely destroy left-handed pitching. Absolutely destroy it. We saw that's what they did to Martin Perez in this one, getting 12 hits, more than two hits per inning, nearly three hits per inning, um, how great they did against him. And he's one of the best left-handers in baseball this year. And I was like, okay, well, if they're not going to let Brock Burke work through it, then here comes Matt Bush, who had just had a not-so-great game just the other day, um, but comes in, gets the strikeout, a big strikeout. Then on comes Matt Moore to work two innings that were absolutely fantastic. This was the best Matt Moore I think I've ever seen since he was a starting pitcher with the Tampa Bay Rays 
in the heat of his heyday. Worked two perfect innings with five strikeouts, was just absolutely mowing these White Sox down. And this was right after, right after, in the same game that Martin Perez got absolutely lit up. And I thought, okay, well, they're bringing in Matt Moore. So maybe they're trying to end this one and just get it over soon and, you know, save the bullpen another inning or so. But no, no, they weren't. They weren't because Matt Moore was absolutely brilliant. And then Joe Barlow came in in the bottom of the 10th inning after the Rangers put four runs on the White Sox in the top of the 10th inning. This was some horrible bullpen management by Tony La Russa. And in this game in the 10th inning when the Rangers were scoring all of these runs, White Sox fans were chanting, fire Tony, fire Tony, fire Tony, which is absolutely hilarious. And, you know, I kind of hope they do because he is not a great manager. He's a bad fit and obviously doesn't know how to manage the bullpen, but he at least did do them the courtesy of putting Andrew Vaughn, who's one of their best offensive players, not in the bottom third of the lineup, which he has been doing a whole lot. But I don't know why they they brought in uh, Lambert. Also, Foster had an absolutely terrible game for them. Matt Foster worked zero outs. Zero outs, but allowed four base runners. All four of those would score. All four of them. Jose Ruiz would come on and allow a hit and a walk and would get out of the rest of the inning and give the White Sox at least a chance. And they almost came back in this one. They really almost did. This was a bad outing by Joe Barlow. It wasn't a safe situation, but the Rangers brought him on anyway, allowed two hits, two runs, and only one of those was earned um, because there was an error by Corey Seager that made one of those unearned. But still... No strikeouts. I would just like him to strike out more batters because in those dangerous situations, if they're putting balls in play and you don't necessarily trust a lot of your defense, there's been a lot of errors by Seager and Simeon and a few by Ezekiel Durant, who hasn't played a whole lot at third base and definitely quite a few by Nathaniel Lowe at first base. So you're not necessarily trusting your infield a whole lot. This is not a super duper great defensive infield. I think Simeon will rebound, and uh, Seager's been mostly okay. It's just been quite a few errors. And, uh, you know, Daniel Lowe is what he is, and Duran doesn't have a whole lot of experience at third base. But still, this was a big hitting with runners in scoring position rebound for the Rangers. They went 7 for 19. They had The only home run was from Adolis Garcia. They had a double from Simeon, his 10th of the season. Colcott Hound had a pair of doubles, his eighth and ninth of the season. Duran had his first double of the season. Old Duran Duran finally got his first big league double. And Nathaniel Lowe also had a pair of doubles in this one. Fine offensive day. Lots of guys with multi-hit games in this one. Um, Simeon reached base four times in this one. Outside of that, I don't think he reached base at all in the rest of these games, but did perform very well in this one, including that leadoff double and a pair of walks. Really solid stuff from him there. And a team team effort to pick up Martin Perez in his first bad start of the season. But again, shout out to Matt Moore. This was a fantastic game from him and a game that I thought surely the Rangers going to lose mainly because Lucas Giolito was really darn good. Had five, had five innings with eight strikeouts in this one, but did allow four runs and the White Sox bullpen. When they use the good relievers, they're good. When they use the bad relievers, they're bad. And they used quite a few bad relievers in this Sunday game that went into 12 innings and was absolutely off the freaking rails. I'm going to tell you about that a little bit more. But first, I want to talk to you all about Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one source for all of your sports betting stats and information. 
Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's NBA championship, the NHL hockey conference finals. Well, I guess now it's the Stanley Cup, Major League Baseball, and of course, the latest fighting news from MMA to UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Now, let's look at this Sunday game, which has just so much to break down that I'm going to start with the starter because you got to start somewhere and there's a million different places that I could go. But I'm going to start with John Gray, who is coming off a rough outing before that, his best outing of the season. This was his second best outing of the season. Six innings, only one run. It was earned 10 strikeouts. It was the first pitcher this season to strike out 10 White Sox in a game. Now, they've had 10 10 strikeouts as a team before, but no one single pitcher has done that. He only allowed three hits, did have three walks, but was absolutely dealing. This White Sox team does not do well against right-handed sliders, and John Gray's slider is really darn good, both the slider and the... um, the loopy one, whatever the horizontal one that uh, works like a frisbee that I can't think of, the sweeper, that's the name of it. The sweeper and the fastball were working in tandem quite well in this one. Also, Eli White, have yourself a game until you did not have a game and got hurt later on in this one. Before he got hurt on a very scary play, which, by the way, we don't have any update other than he got x-rays on his wrist after a sliding collision with Charlie Coberson in left center field. But... He started this game off his first at-bat, had a two-run shot, was absolutely blasted out to center field, just laced the crap out of it. Then he had a sack fly to give the Rangers their third run in this one um, and gave the Rangers all three of their first runs to give them a uh, 3-1 lead in the top of the fourth inning. Now, the Rangers didn't score again until the 11th inning, and then they would score yet again in the 12th inning. The Rangers did have eight runs in this one. They were looking for some big offensive performances, and they, again, were able to hit with runners in scoring position. Five for 13 in this one, even though they did leave 11 on base, but had the home run by Eli White. And another three-run home run this weekend. This one was by Ezekiel Duran on a curveball that was just left right out over the heart of the plate by Jose Ruiz, his first home run uh, off of a curveball, his first three-run shot. And, uh, again, coming up big when the Rangers needed it most. He also had kind of a mixed bag of a day. He got caught stealing at home plate on a delayed, what I thought was a delayed double steal, or maybe he just couldn't make his mind if he was going to try and steal home. Adolis Garcia was on first base. He had runners on the corners. Adolis stole second base, and then the catcher, instead of throwing there, decided to look back at third base, and Zeke Duran... He was caught in no man's land and couldn't get back to third base just fast enough and ended up getting caught stealing. Did not count as a pickoff, even though maybe it should have. I don't know, a back pick by the catcher not falling for that double steal. But again, some solid work by him when it mattered most because he got the final out in this one. It was a ball that I thought was for sure going to be gone. For sure going to be gone, going to tie up this game and send us to the 13th inning, which I was not at all ready for. But uh, after Jose Abreu was called out on strikes, um, Jake Berger flew out to left field. What I thought was for sure going to be a home run. On the warning track, Charlie Culberson grabs the ball. By the way, when Eli White left the game, instead of Adoles Garcia taking over in center field, they were giving him a half day at DH. They wanted to respect that. They brought in Brad Miller, who was the only player left on the bench. They used the entirety of their lineup. Brad Miller came in and played right field. Then Cole Calhoun moved over to center field, which, again, kind of an emergency situation. 
And uh, I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen a whole lot. But anyway, this ball is hit to the warning track. Charlie Culberson is reaching back on it, makes a terrific throw to third base. Luis Robert is the runner at second base, probably the fastest player on their team, one of the fastest players, most athletic players in all of baseball, had ran wild on the bases against the Rangers this whole weekend. And uh, I'm not exactly sure. It seemed a little aggressive. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily go for that. But the ball was hit to the warning track, and it was Charlie Culberson out there in left field, who does have a decent arm, but doesn't naturally play a lot of left field. So that throw from left field to third base might be a more difficult one that he hasn't done a whole lot. But I kind of get the aggressiveness, but it ended up not paying off. It looked like he got in there safe. He got in there ahead of the throw, but he slid so hard that he fell off the bag for just a split second. But Ezekiel Duran, knowing that there's replay and knowing that maybe they'll see that he slipped off the bag for just a second, held that tag, held that tag on his leg for the split second. And the call on the field was actually called him out because the umpire at third saw that and they reviewed it. They thought, okay, well, Call stands. Game over. Rangers win. What a fantastic play by Ezekiel Duran, who has been putting up some really strong numbers while he has been with the Rangers so far. I have loved what I've seen from him. At third base, he is getting better and better through eight games, 33 plate appearances. He has a slash line of 313, 333, and slugging 531. That is an 865 OPS, an OPS plus of 146. So that's nearly... That's 46% better than the average third baseman. Again, very small sample size, but does have the two home runs. Um, I would like to see him have more than one walk in 33 plate appearances, but he's getting better defensively. He's making smart plays. He is very, very fast. I knew he was fast, but I didn't know he was this fast. His sprint speed is in the 97th percentile of all baseball, so top 3% of the fastest players in the league. That is very encouraging stuff. I like his defense a little bit better and his his ceiling. I don't know if it's higher than Josh Young, but the Raiders have themselves a real competition at third base. I don't know what they're going to do when Josh Smith comes back. He is on the mend, and I think maybe in the next like week or two weeks, he's Josh Smith is going to be back, and what the Raiders are going to do at that point is really anyone's guess. I mean, it, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be a lot of left field and center field for Josh Smith. Maybe they'll try left and center field for Ezekiel Duran, but Duran hasn't played in the outfield yet, and Josh Smith hasn't played in left field yet. Maybe they'll play him in center and Adolis in left field, so there's less strain on Adolis, and they can get more at-bats for Josh Smith, who was doing really dang well in the very, very small sample size before he got hurt. In case you forgot, five games, 17 plate appearances. He's still hitting over 400 on base of 588 because he kept getting hit by freaking pitches and slugging 500. Does not have his first major league home run just yet, but I'm sure he will maybe by the end of this season. I don't know what the Rangers are going to do. They they talked about maybe sending Ezekiel Duran. They're like, all right, we don't know what we're going to get from Zeke Duran. We don't know how long these other injuries are going to last in Brad Miller or uh, Josh Smith. So we're going to give him a chance. And if he lights the world on fire, which he has been doing so far, he's again, he's had some rookie mistakes like that uh, that error that was charged to him and getting caught stealing, trying to steal home, getting confused on how aggressive he should be on that double steal. But he's had some really big plays. He's had the couple of huge home runs, ended up not being game winners, either of them, but they probably, both of them, should be if the Rangers had taken care of business like they needed to. But again, this was not a great outing in the bottom of the 12th inning. Um, by Actually, no, excuse me, in the, what, what was it? 
whatever Joe Barlow's inning was, uh, the bottom of the 11th inning, the Rangers allowed three runs in that one after taking three runs in the 11th inning on that Ezekiel Duran homer. Um, but by the way, Adolis Garcia came up again huge in this one. He had that steal that should have been part of a double steal. He had three hits, all of them were singles, walked twice, and had a fantastic slide into home plate in terms of and, and what ended up being the final run in this one. This was a two-run single by Jonah Heim in the top of the 12th inning that would give the Rangers the lead. He came in and throw beat him by probably 10 feet. By probably 10 feet. But because... It, was, it caught the catcher in such a weird and uncomfortable place. He was able to kind of run around him and get his slide in and still be safe and not get called out even on review for leaving the base path. He didn't go that far outside of the established uh, running lane, so he was able to be called safe. And that ended up holding up as the final run in this one. He has been heating up a whole lot as of late. His last seven games, he's got a slash line of some crazy numbers. He's got four walks to seven strikeouts. That's a number that I love to see. He's got three home runs in the last seven games. And on base of 424, slugging 655. In the last 15, he's hitting over 300 on base over 350, slugging 609, which I think is really darn nice. And six home runs in those 15 games. He has been heating up. He is looking like the all-star that he was last year in the first half of the season. Hopefully, this seems like a sustainable outcome for him. The raw tools have always been there, and the discipline is getting there as well. And it's looking like the Rangers might be able to do that a little bit with Ezekiel Duran, who's got some really nice raw tools, and is making a big impact. I don't know if he's going to go back to the minor leagues. If he does, I don't think they would send him back to uh, double-A. To I think they'd send him to triple-A. There's a couple of those other guys that I think might be about to get promoted to AAA in uh, Blaine Krim and Dustin Harris. I think those guys are right on the fence about getting that promotion to AAA and then maybe getting a little cup of coffee by the end of the season. And some of those guys in high A, I think, are just about ready to see AA. So we might, we're getting close to that middle of the season with minor leaguers. I'll talk more, hopefully, with Grant sometime this week. We're going to try and get him and talk about midseason performances, who we think is going to promote promoted and all that but the rangers have a series win for the first time in june it sets up them being in second place a first versus second place in the al west silver boot matchup for the next three days going to be a huge series for the rangers the astros are still hot not quite as red hot as they were in the month of may when they just set the entire world on fire but this is a series that the rangers need to win they need badly to win to prove themselves against this really darn good Astros team. They absolutely cannot get swept, but they do need to take, I think, two. That would be very nice, very huge for this team. Coming up has a much easier schedule. They got a couple games against Detroit and some games against Kansas City. Both those teams are kind of bottom feeders. They kind of drag their toes against Cleveland and maybe could have done, I don't think they could have done much better getting two out of three against Chicago. But again, this is a team that wants to compete, wants to be in the race at the end of the year, and how you do it is winning these tough series in June against your in-state divisional rival. It's going to be a lot of fun these next three days. We have even more coming up tomorrow about this series and about how Taylor Hearn did. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.